Hi, Patrick here, back from a sunny place. Not warm, but sunny. And over to Marco Werman now for a thing he and I did on The Big Show. Pod extras later on. Patrick Cox, our language editor and host of the podcast The World in Words, is here with me in the studio. Patrick Cox is also a man with an accent I am still trying to pin down after all these years. (laughs) That's what my seven-year-old daughter says, too. I took her back to the UK last week. And it was funny to watch it dawn on her that there was a whole nation of people who spoke the same way that I do, (laughs) that I'm not some sort of weird, you know, linguistic outlier. Um, And at one point, we were on a train at the start of our trip. And as she just said to the tea lady pushing the trolley down the train, she goes, "Uh, you sound British. (laughs) Of course, the whole car erupted. So when you go back to the UK, as you did with your daughter, I mean, do you then try to sound more British? Yeah, I I do a little bit of that accent code switching. I say tomato. I call the stuff that comes out of the faucet, or or should I say tap? I call it water. (laughs) When I do that, I think, am I trying to fool people here a little bit that I'm, or maybe fool myself, that I'm just uh, still 100% British after the many years that I've spent living in the the U.S.? And and it really got me thinking about accents and deception. Well, Patrick, that's a perfect point to hear the story you put together all about this. There's nothing that the British enjoy more than to hear an American do a bad British accent. And so Brits were duly and happily outraged one morning not so long ago. The British play War Horse was ending its run on Broadway. An American member of the cast, unnamed, told a BBC reporter how he'd mastered a particular English accent from rural Devon. There are these different uh, sentences that our coach will give us. Like, uh, what was one of them? We learned to ride ponies at home long ago. Okay, so the actor wasn't performing at the time. He was just chatting. So it seems a tad unfair to judge his accent. But judge it, Brits did when they heard that on the radio. The accent sounded a bit Irish, Welsh, and not English at all. It wasn't Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins, but it wasn't great. Faking an accent and getting it right is difficult. The voice is so central to our very being as a person that we resist any kind of change. This is Barbara Berkery, a voice coach, not just any voice coach. She's bestowed English accents on the likes of Gwyneth Paltrow and Johnny Depp. She also coached Renee Zellweger, whose character Bridget Jones is often cited as the best ever English accent delivered by an American. Berkery says that degree of mastery needs time. And Rene and I had, um, we had, did five weeks. Five weeks intensive coaching, verbal exercises in the morning, then field work in the afternoon, going around London trying out different pronunciations of all those pure vowels and diphthongs. It paid off spectacularly. Thank you, Daniel. That is very good to know. But if staying here means working within ten yards of you, frankly, I'd rather have a job wiping Saddam Hussein's ass. As pitch perfect as that sounds to British ears, you don't appreciate the accent just by listening. You have to watch too. It's not just what comes out of your mouth. It's all the shadow moves of physicality, which is different for each accent. An accent, in other words, is something you see as well as hear. Good actors know that. People like Radovan Karadzic know that. Yes, him, the accused Bosnian Serb war criminal who escaped capture for years by posing as another person. Writer Jack Hitt went to Serbia to find out how he did it. He changed every auditory, physical cue that anyone would ever use to identify Radovan Karadzic. That meant changing how he walked, how he dressed, 
and how he talked. You know, he's he, he spoke in this uh, sort of urban Belgrade accent, even though he's not from there. It was sort of like uh, imagine if someone was from Alabama and when they found him, he was speaking in Brooklynese. And what's really impressive was that he was doing it in Belgrade among native speakers of that accent. Here's almost the opposite situation. You're not among native speakers of your accent, and you're not intending to deceive anyone. But they are nonetheless deceived. That happened to Gary Young when he was researching a book about being an outsider in the United States. Uh, I had this funny experience in Mississippi where everything in this school was segregated, including there was a black principal and a white principal. Young wanted to interview both principals, but only the white guy agreed to speak with him. He said he'd be delighted to have an Englishman visit. But when they met, he was shocked to find out that this Englishman was black. You know, his, his jaw dropped, but not in disappointment. He was just shocked, and he didn't really kind of know how to deal with it. Later that day, Young ran into the black school principal. He said, didn't you call me the other day? And I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, I, sorry, I thought you were white. There was no deception in these encounters, no fake personas. But in a telephone conversation, you can't see the accent. It can paint an illusory picture. And so back to Broadway, where it's all about illusion. The British musical Matilda opened this month to rave reviews. Nearly all the cast is American, which means that the four actresses who rotate in the role of Matilda have to take lessons in sounding English. One of them is nine-year-old Sophia Janusa. We had a dialect coach, and it took a few, maybe like two months or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah about that. And then she slips into the accent. She doesn't smile a lot, and she doesn't show a lot of her feelings. So she's pretty much a person who keeps a lot of her stuff inside of her. That accent's pretty good. For The World, I'm Patrick Cox. That was dramatic. A short outtake now from Gary Young, the writer who unwittingly deceived those two school principals in Mississippi. As a black Englishman who travels around a lot, he's often taken, well, to be someone that he actually isn't. Much of it has taken place here in the U.S. where he lives. He has a family here now. But he also spent some time in France where he studied in the 90s and in Russia. And this is, it's not really about language. I mean, I suppose you could call it the language of appearance or something like that, of clothes and hairstyle. But I'm really including it here because, well, because it's fascinating. Here goes. Basically, I spent six months in France um, studying at the Sorbonne and uh, I had this terrible time. Beaten up by the cops, questioned every day for my ID. I mean, just really hard time. I was living uh, in the fifth, just next to the Pantheon. I wasn't supposed to be there, frankly. And then I go to Russia, which is crumbling at the time, and everybody says, oh, God, poor you. You know, people, literally, friends are sending me food packets. And what I find in Russia is that suddenly, all of those things that in France had kind of alienated me, suddenly, in, in Russia, I'm clearly, for some reason 
probably my trainers, my hairdo. I'm not sure what it is. I'm obviously not African, so they're not worried about that. So then I'm obviously American. That means I have dollars. That means I have wealth. In France, I couldn't get a cab for love nor money. In Russia, any car would stop and turn itself into a cab in the hope that I would pay them in dollars. So it's a really kind of peculiar situation. In France, I would struggle to get into many nightclubs because uh, they had colour bars. In Russia, I was vouching for my uh, fellow white students because I obviously wasn't Russian and they might have been. Gary Young. If you're looking him up, it's Young with an E at the end. He's the author of, among other books, Stranger in a Strange Land and No Place Like Home. I'll post a couple of links at theworld.org slash language. I'll post a couple of other things there that are relevant to this pod. The pod is also on Facebook. The page is called The World in Words. And I'm on Twitter. My name on Twitter is Patrick Ox. That's P-A-T-R-I-C-O-X. See you next time.